So it's good to be with you again tonight. It's good to see everyone. I am continuing with the Eightfold Path, which we've been doing for the last uh, three weeks. So this is the fourth week. We're on the fourth factor, which is right action. And right action is the second piece is the uh, second part of the Eightfold Path um, ethical behavior. Last week we did right speech, which is the first part of ethical behavior or sila, integrity, and tonight's right action. And right speech and right action together with uh, another, uh, one other thing that's not part of the Eightfold Path, but it's about um, watching what we ingest, uh, not taking intoxicants that lead to heedlessness, form the precepts. And I'll talk a little bit more about that as we get into this. But I saw a quote um, today. It's it's from the Dhammapada, which is a collection of the Buddhist teachings and really one of the most popular collections in the world. And one of the the, um, couplets says, and this is pretty much what wise action is. Avoid what is unskillful. Do what is good. Purify the mind. It's really, it's, it's that simple. Do what is good. No, excuse me. Avoid what is unskillful. Do what is good and purify the mind. Like I said, simple, not easy. Like the, mind, like the meditation instructions. Simple, not necessarily very easy. And it's really, wise action is, um, as I said, part of sila, which is a, a, a teaching that allows us to live in harmony with others. I, I talk about um, making it safe for others to be around us. I heard Ruth King say that once on a retreat, and then I've seen it in some of the suttas, where we want to um, act in a way that others are comfortable. And wise speech obviously is part of that. If we're not yelling or screaming or lying at, you know, to people, there's a, there's a comfort level that they perhaps have with us. Um, I know I don't want to be around people who are yelling or screaming or scolding or uh, lying. I've been around people who you know are lying <laughs> and, or talk crap about other people. And it's like, I'm not interested in being around them. So you make, you create a space and wise action moves into that. And I'll just talk about, um, uh, there's three parts to wise action and I'll get into detail in a little bit. Um, They're kind of big, not intentionally killing or causing harm. Um, Not intentionally taking what's not given, stealing. Um, And Refraining from sexual misconduct. Big ones. Pretty, pretty big. And um, it, like I said, with speech, um, they're just, they, they cover pretty much most things. Like just about everything. And um, <clears throat> it's, uh, as none of these factors uh, operate in a vacuum, Wise action, and I, I've said it before, but I'll, I'll say it again. I, I, I interchange wise and right, so I'll say wise action or right action, but I mean the same thing. Um, wise action or right action is supported by right view, 
you have to see clearly. If you don't see clearly, you know, disentangle from delusion, it's easy to cause harm because you don't know what you're doing. You're just kind of caught in reactivity. So it's supported by right view. It's supported by right effort, which we'll get to in a few weeks, which is really making the effort to to see what's skillful, see what's not skillful, and stay with the skillful, stay with the beneficial pieces of the practice. And then um, mindfulness. I mean, without mindfulness, I mean, all bets are off. We have to pay attention. If we're not paying attention, it's so easy to be distracted. Um, that a lot of dust in our eyes, as the Buddha would say, when we're not mindful. And so wise action, right action, offers a way to be in the world that enables us to ease suffering by looking at our actions. How do we end suffering, both for ourselves, both for personal liberation, and for the liberation of all? It's not only us sitting quietly in a monastery or a cave or in a closet or wherever it is we are and practicing for our own liberation, but it's for the benefit of all beings. And this is, um, you know, in, ori in original, the original teachings, it talks about this a lot. Uh, and, and then that it's um, this idea of working towards the benefit of all is fleshed out a lot more later in Mahayana teachings where they talk about the idea of the Bodhisattva. And the Bodhisattva is this um, person who forgoes their own liberation for the, until all beings are liberated. You know, beings are numberless. I vow to save them all. You know, suffering is endless. I vow to end it. So it's it's quite a it's quite a challenge, but it's it. I think it just reinforces that idea that we're not just doing it for ourselves. We're citizens of the world, so to speak. Um, and so when we look at wise action, we have to look at everything we do. Is it taking us towards suffering, towards harming, or away from harming? You know, just as with speech, is this wise? Is it is it is it um, skillful? Is it beneficial, or is it not? And we have to be dedicated to evaluating everything we do. This is where the the effort piece comes in. You know, because we can be so caught up in our patterns. We are. We still are. I even with the practice I've done, I'm still caught up in my habitual patterns, but with the years of practice, I've been able to chip away at a lot of them. So some of them um, and have been able to create numeral pathways. And so the reactivity is in a different direction. It's not in a in a I'm chasing something or pushing something away. It's in a in a, a place of being able to slow down and pause. It's ability to be more connected with the body because we are so embodied. You know, the the um, the book, uh, The Body Keeps the Score, talks about trauma and all these things that are trapped in our bodies. And unless we really pay attention, we're driven by them unknowingly. Those implicit memories, those implicit biases, those ones that we're not clear about. And then that's individually and then moving out societally, the same thing. There's all these stories that we're told about 
what's okay and what's not okay and what's right and what's wrong. And if we don't, if we're not bringing a discerning eye or an inquisitive mind and we're not saying, is that harmful? Not just to me, but bigger picture, then we're, we're still stuck in this place of, of, of delusion and perhaps causing harm, not even intentionally. So, um, it's really important to recognize that we're, we are, uh, have to pay attention. This is where the mindfulness comes in. Uh, and the Buddha said it many, many, many times in many suttas, we have to, uh, be cautious of our, uh, of our thoughts and actions, um, in body, mind, and deed. So there's the, the body, speech, and mind, excuse me. So there's the mind, not just um, um, what we do or say, but what we think. And not that there's thought police out there, but watching those habits of mind, watching those stories. This is what I keep pointing to during mindfulness practice, during insight meditation, is watch those stories. Don't just let them go by, but really stop and look at them. And is, is this true? Is this helpful or is this harmful, not beneficial? I love Rick Hansen. He uses, um, he's written, uh, he's a neuroscientist and, and a Buddhist teacher. And he's written a book called Buddha's Brain. He's written a few books, but in Buddha's Brain, he talks about the um, really watching what's beneficial or not beneficial and shifting over to the beneficial. And, and by doing that, as I mentioned, we can create new neural pathways. But so mind impacts, if we're not paying attention to these preconceived ideas, we're gonna speak and act according to that. So as I said, there's no thought police, but the mind and what we give attention to and what we um, give play, let play around has an impact. There's this conditioning and, and that we have to pay attention to. Um, and mindfulness and the teaching on mindfulness um, allows us to slow down and show us we have a choice and, and show us that we're not trapped by this deep conditioning, these habits that we have that we don't even know where they came from, where they were engendered. You know, where did they start? I have no idea. Maybe I have a guess. Maybe we're very clear. I was taught that. Or maybe it's just the soup we, I keep saying soup. I don't want to be swimming in soup. I want to swim in, maybe it's just the water we're swimming in. That's what it's, you know, we're, it's, it's what's in the air. You know, and I say this over and over and over again, but we have to, um, we take care of ourselves. We do this work so that we don't we don't harm ourselves because I caused so much harm to myself when I was caught in delusion and not really and and just being driven by fear and craving not craving because I'm greedy but but craving because I I thought I needed I was coming from a place of lack I was trying to I was trying to you know um heal the wounds that the body was keeping score on you know and until I sat still and stopped running and turned towards and said, okay, let me be with this. What's really going on? I, I was causing more harm to myself and causing more harm to others. 
And so it's this invitation to slow down for my benefit and for the benefit of all. It behooves us to, I love using that word, it behooves us to um, continue with this investigation. And um, I mentioned the those, one of the books that is so good on the Eightfold Path, uh, Gregory Kramer's A Whole Life Path. He quotes um, one of the suttas where the Buddha talks about this. He says, practicing for all. The person practicing both for his own welfare and the welfare of others is the foremost, the best, the preeminent, the supreme, and the finest. So, you know, that's nice. When we practice for the benefit of all, we are um, hot shit. Thus I have heard. So um, it's, 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 it's its own reward. It's, it's absolutely its own reward. So um, we have to also be aware that there are so many layers to this and, and ask the question, where do I cause harm? Even if I'm doing good in the world, I have to, how's my personal integrity? How am I showing up? You know, because we see this all the time, all these people doing great, great good, but being, you know, in another part of their lives causing great harm because it's, it's complex. It's not, you know, oh, a big, broad blanket. There's all these different facets to how we show up. And eventually, if we're kind of causing harm in our own personal lives, it's going to bleed out somehow, some way. So this personal integrity is incredibly important. You know, they, 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 you don't have to do one and then do the other. You can do them hand in hand, but they're both really important. Sometimes we look at personal, sometimes we look at bigger picture, but, but walking in the direction of not causing harm and try and be impeccable as best we can throughout. So we also have to... Um, Watch how we are impacted by the culture, um, peer pressure, what's cool, what's not cool, what society says, what it doesn't say, what news outlets do we watch or not watch. Um, you know, it's our, our values. What do we value? What do we not value? Um, we live in a society where greed is rampant. Consumerism is like the, the, the idol um, on the, on the altar capitalism of which we practice. And I, I actually heard, um, I mentioned my husband has a TV on a lot and I was in the kitchen this afternoon and I heard, I think she was a state Senator from, um, Texas. Kevin, you might know, I don't know her, her name, but there, I guess there's a stat. No, not Texas. I, I take that back Tennessee because there was a stat statue of Nathan Bedford Forrest who was uh, one of the founders, grand wizard of the Ku Klux Klan at the state house in, in Tennessee. And she's a, 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 a black woman. And she says, every day coming into the people's house, I have to walk by this tribute to a man who thought I was less than human. That's, that's a big picture of how the culture causes harm. And how do we, you know, we have to pay attention to all these things. It's not just personal, it's for the benefit of all. You know, 
Kramer says we have to steward our minds and steward our relationships and just steward how we move through the world, seeing this big picture and being willing to say, oh, my goodness, if this is causing harm, how do I how do I work towards ending this harm? You know, because that's part of this invitation to work towards ending harm where we find it. Which is why I think that Buddhism and social social justice and, and all these movements go hand in hand. It's really important to take action wherever we are with what we have, with what's available to us, with what makes sense to do what we can to help others and um, support each other's in, in their liberation as well. And the, the, the really sweet part about all these teachings, not just the Eightfold Path, but the Buddhist teachings is, okay, Bottom line, there's suffering, there's there's the causes of suffering, and then there's the end of suffering. Make your way through this world walking away from suffering, engendering compassion and kindness. Like in right intention, the, the intention we want to set is non-harming, which again flows right into right action. Non-harming, loving kindness or goodwill, friendliness to all and compassion if we're compassionate to all beings we want to end harm i mean it's just you know like that quote from the buddha i mean if you do this for the benefit of all that's the utmost that's the utmost so to recognize that so we're creative we're flexible it's not we don't have a list of rules it's like how hold these and, and apply them where you are start where you are apply them in the way that makes sense for you um, purifying the heart and building new neural pathways. So now I want to get into the three particular pieces of wise action. And the first one is to not intentionally take a life, not intentionally kill, not intentionally cause harm um, to ourselves or to others. And I love uh, uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi talks about this in his great book, The Noble Eightfold Path. And he talks about the principle of non-harming, of not taking a life, is grounded in the consideration that all beings love life and fear death, that all seek happiness and are averse to pain. All beings. Just as I feel that way, all beings feel that way. And can I allow that for all beings? Um... And then there's another, There's I've seen this a few times in, in the suttas too, and um, Bhikkhu Bodhi's quoting or talking about the, the practitioner not only avoids destroying life, he dwells, she, he, they dwell with a heart full of sympathy, desiring the welfare of all beings. This is reiterated over and over and over again. We don't just cause, not cause harm to ourselves because we can take care of ourselves and in taking care of ourselves cause massive harm to others. So that's why it's a multitude. We have to pay attention, big picture, big picture, that we're, we're, we're um, kind and compassionate to all, recognizing that we're interconnected with all beings. You know, I don't grow the food I eat. I don't make the clothes I wear. And I want all folks to be happy and to have, have the same access 
that I have to, to food and, and shelter and medicine and, and the things that are, that are necessary. So this not intentionally taking a life, not intentionally causing harm, it's not just don't do this. It's cultivate kindness. It's cultivate compassion. It's work towards ending suffering where you find it. That's so important. And then there's, you know, there's, there's always the question about, but I have termites in my house and my house will fall down. And it's like, you know, there's this, there's a, a grade and, and, um, you know, sometimes we have to do these things, but really being aware of what happens, um, when you're inundated with ants or rats or something, you have to take care. A lot of times it's, it's talked about the greater good, you know, the greater good. But be cautious because the greater good can also be used to justify atrocities. Like, you know, Buddhists aren't perfect. I keep pointing to the, the genocide of the Rohingya in uh, Myanmar, Burma, um, which happens and and it's because you have people who kind of twist things to the way they want it there there are a lot of other and i'll get to this in a couple of in a, in a few moments about the harm that we cause talking you know couching things in spiritual terms when really they're um not harming they're not compassionate they're really um driven by greed or hatred so the next one is not taking what's not given what's not freely offered, uh, which is really, really important. And I like that it's not just don't steal. It's don't take what's not freely offered because that's a broad, broad play. That's broad. It uh, in, in the factor, it says not ste stealing, robbery, fraudulence. That's that's we can be fraudulent in lots of different ways deceitfulness we can be deceitful in lots of ways um that's you know it, it kind of blends with the wise speech of lying and or not saying things that need to be said um getting away with something uh, i always talk about um taking what's not freely offered do we hold people hostage like being in <laughs> I've been in relationships long past the time I should have been in relationships driven by my own fear, you know, and holding that person hostage and manipulating in ways or, or you know, at work or um, taking people's time, you know, when they haven't offered it. But there's so many ways we can investigate how we take up time or take up um, take what's not freely given. It's really, really a rich place for investigation. And it's often um, driven by greed or fear. The, again, the, you know, greed, hatred, delusion, um, the three defilements that are kind of at the core of all this suffering. And, and again, it's not just don't take, but there's also the invitation to cultivate generosity. Letting go. You know, instead of just taking, can you let go? Can you do that? Uh, it's also the word contentment is in this factor, in this piece. Um, content with what we have. 
ha content with our needs being met. But living in this consumer society, it's really challenging. It's really challenging. Mr. Bitey is eating the paper again. Okay. Um, it's really challenging. So watching that, do I really need that? I mean, even there's the story of the Dalai Lama um, being at a conference, I think, in Los Angeles or somewhere in the States and walking by a store every day. And he's a he loves gadgets. And he was walking by know, the smarter image or something like that, that sharper image that had all these uh, things. And he said he wanted all these things and he didn't even know what they were for. But, you know, shiny, shiny, shiny. So to watch that, the, the, the engendering of greed, of craving, and then this consumer society, it, see the impact. I mean, you all are experiencing the results of climate change right now. Every single one of us is experiencing that. Even if we're not directly, but I think most of us are directly, we're seeing it everywhere. Um, there's also the brouhaha about all these billionaires going into space. And I, you know, with all their, and I don't understand billionaires anyway. Uh, when is enough money enough money? And um, I saw a posting on Instagram last night, which I reposted, and it was a clip of Gil Scott Heron, who wrote, who's brilliant, who wrote a poem back in the late 60s, probably 69, because that's when the um, Apollo 11 landed on the moon. And the, the poem is called um, Whitey on the Moon, you know, and, and the poem is really powerful about, you know, his little sister was bitten by a rat and he's going to be paying for the hospital bills for 10 years, but Whitey's on the moon. It's really powerful, um, you know, so watching that, that, you know, does it does everyone is everyone's needs met? It's really an important question, I think, that we should be investigating. And how do I how do I not um, grow that imbalance? And how do I work towards ending that imbalance for the benefit of all? I mean, it's just, it can be really simple. I remember a few years ago, I was dreaming about, back in the 70s, my partner and I had a, a, a Datsun Z, which was a lot of fun. Um, and uh, a few years ago, you know, I had the, the new Nissan Z, which is the, the grand, great-grandchild of the Datsun Z. We had a 260Z. Um and I looked at that. I saw a used one, and, and I went, oh. And then I found out it had, like, seven, got 17 miles a gallon, and I went, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. And I was talking to someone whose boss had one, and I said, only get 17 miles a gallon. She goes, well, he can afford it. And I'm like, that's not the point. We have to have that bigger picture that for the benefit of all. So we can cause harm in so many different ways. And then the last one or the, yeah, the third one in this piece is abstain from sexual misconduct. And there's the monastic, uh, monastics in, in Theravadan tradition, at least, are celibate. But I'm going to read, um, uh, I'm going to read uh, Thich Nhat Hanh's uh, writing on this. He has expanded the precepts, um, as I mentioned, the, the, wise action, wise speech, and don't take intoxicants together form 
um, the precepts and in the precepts of uh, sexuality, being wise with our sexuality, he says, Thich Nhat Hanh says, Aware of the suffering caused by sexual misconduct, I vow to cultivate responsibility and learn ways to protect the safety and integrity of individuals, couples, family, and society. To preserve the happiness of myself and others, I am determined to respect my commitment, my commitments and the commitments of others. I will do everything in my power to protect children from sexual abuse and to prevent couples and families from being broken by sexual misconduct. There's so much harm that is caused by sexual misconduct. So much harm. And even in the name of religion, I mean, Buddhism, there's, there's countless, countless, countless examples still going on today of harm being caused by people who... Um, I don't even want to say should know better, but who are, you know, still caught up and entangled in power and delusion and greed. And and um, so this is incredibly important because we all know the harm. I bet all of us in this mosaic have been hurt in some way in this arena. So I know the I know the feeling and I should I know I've caused harm in this arena as well. And so to be cautious and mindful in this realm is so, so important because the ramifications go on for years and generations, generations. Um, so uh, it, 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 there's the sexual misconduct and then there's the, the just prevent relations which are hurtful, even just relationships that are hurtful, being incredibly cautious of how we show up with our energy. Um, it's really powerful. On, on retreats, we're asked to be celibate um, as well. And then you can see, because on, on silent meditation retreats, there's there's all these, we call them vipassana romances that pop up in your head. These cravings, these lustful things that, you know, you've never met this person, but you know you're going to live happily ever after just because of the stories in your head. And then you meet them after the retreat and they open their mouth and you're like, what was I thinking? You know, um, but it happens. It happens. It's really interesting. So to be aware and be cautious and be willing, be willing to put down that craving that's there because it is, again, as I said, one of the most powerful ones. And then I also briefly want to touch on um, the fifth precept, which is not part of the Eightfold Path, but which is really important because it kind of. Um, folds into all the others to speech and um, what I talked about last week, what I talked about tonight. Uh, the fifth precept is to abstain from uh, intoxicants which lead to heedlessness, um, usually considered drugs and alcohol, because once you ingest those to a certain level, you can, you can, you can do all these cause harm. Because you're not mindful, you've lost your ability to be mindful. And so much harm is caused when we are under the influence of drugs and alcohol that y'all, I don't have to say, y'all know, um, both to ourselves and to others. But again, Thich Nhat Hanh expands on this. And I think this is really, really important. I love how he talks about it. He talks about mindful consumption. And we're talking about consumer society being mindful again it's also fits in with mindful communication 
aware of the suffering caused by unmindful consumption, I am committed to cultivating good health, both physical and mental, for myself, my family, and my society by practicing mindful eating, drinking, and consuming. I will practice looking deeply into how I consume the four kinds of nutriments, namely edible foods, sense impressions, volition, how I move through the world, and consciousness. It's really encompassing everything I consume. It's guarding the sense doors. As I said, I touched on it last week with wise speech, wise communication how we move through the world, and how, what we ingest. It, it fits in with this, too, being aware of the water we're swimming in. Because if we're not, we're impacted by it, and not necessarily in a good way. We have to be discerning. Or the, as it was said often when I was growing up, question authority. And as the Buddha said, Ehipasiko, find your own way. Really important sutta, he said, don't believe it just because it's said by wise folk. See for yourself it take, if it takes you away from suffering or toward suffering. And you want to take the path that takes you away from suffering for yourself and for others. And it, all this is, is a path, this path is a journey of seeing where harm is being caused through thought, word, and deed, and working to end that. Purifying the heart, moving through the world with kindness and compassion, goodwill, and um, for the benefit of all. So thank you, my friends, for your kind attention. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.